Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Well, you know, just a, just a couple of weeks back, we, uh, we had a really interesting episode that I, that I hope you had a chance to listen to with Mark Allen Barnett and Debbie Champion. And we talked about songwriter rounds here in Nashville, how to perform on them, how to get invited back, the do's and don'ts. Uh, it was an excellent show. And if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen. And today we're kind of going back to that theme a little bit, but I want you to meet and make a connection with a gentleman who hosted uh, songwriter nights at the legendary Bluebird Cafe for 17 years. And I know he has seen a lot of upcoming artists and great songwriters in the past, heard a lot of big songs before they became hits. He's also an amazing songwriter and teacher. In fact, he's taught songwriting at three universities. And he's written songs for Barbara Mandrell, Ricky Van Shelton, the Oak Ridge Boys, Chris Young, Hank Jr., uh, Randy Van Warmer. This list goes on and on. Gospel uh, songs that have been recorded as well. It is just a pleasure to have Jeff Pearson with us. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Man, life is good and it's getting better. <laughs> I love to hear that. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's great being here, man. Yeah, I love to have you around this dining room table where we love to play live music. So, would you start us with a song? You got it. He always wore bib overalls without fail. He was good with a paintbrush and a hammer and nail And his favorite beer was whatever's on sale I miss my dad, I miss my dad She couldn't sing to save her life, that's for sure She always said with a voice like hers you learn all the words But she made a joyful noise Every Sunday in church I miss my mom I miss my mom I miss my dad I miss my mom Between the Bible and a belt They taught me right from wrong they were honest and plain-spoken as an old Hank Williams song. I miss my dad, I miss my mom. He taught me how to cast a spinning rod, how and when to set the hook and to tie a palomar knot. And I treasure his old weather-beaten tackle box I miss my dad I miss my dad She taught me about Jesus in John 3.16 And she wept on the day I came to believe And I treasure her King James Bible that she left to me I miss my mom I miss my mom He was ready to go Knew it wouldn't be long As he whispered every word of the 23rd song Took two sips of old Milwaukee and 
he was gone I miss my dad I miss my dad In her heart She knew she was saved by grace She was peaceful She was ready and unafraid She went to heaven With a smile on her face I miss my mom I miss my mom I miss my dad I miss my mom Between the Bible and a belt They taught me right from wrong They were honest and plain spoken As an old Hank Williams song I miss my dad I miss my mom I miss my dad I miss my mom Jeff Pearson, we're making a connection on the Songwriter Connection podcast. Great song. What do you call that? I actually just call the song Dad and Mom. Dad and Mom. Great song. Lots of imagery in there. Anything. It, it's all true. Is so, it all true? Two yeah. sips of, of old Milwaukee and he was gone? That's exactly right. My dad, wow. um, he was at my sister's house in his hospital bed. And all he watched on TV for over a week was tennis and that show about how you make stuff. Ah. And... Uh, he had cancer and he was bedridden and uh, still had a sense of humor. And uh, he asked my my sister Julie. He goes, "Hey, uh, hon, can you bring me some old Milwaukee?" Because all he did he hadn't eaten in, in a month and he mm. was just drinking water. And and so that was unusual. Yeah. So she brought him the thing and he had a little sippy cup and he took two sips. And Julie went back to the kitchen and when she came back. Um, Mm. He was gone. He was gone. Yeah. Oh. oh, man. Wow. You know, that song is so powerful. I first heard you do it at uh, the 12 Keys at one of the writers' rounds. Yeah, thanks. Me away. And um, it's, it's just a powerful. I'm sure there's a lot of people right now going, i got to call my mom and dad today. I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of people say, have you recorded that? And I said, not yet. Mm, you got to. And I've, I've had many people say, can you send it to me when you do? And I tell them, yeah, but... Mm. I hope I still have their address. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff Pearson is our guest. And, you know, I saw you in the featured round. I want to say it was Monday night at uh, the Commodore Grill with the Debbie Champion. Yeah, thanks. You, you do that quite a bit, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time I'm there, she always said, before I leave, she goes, I need to book you again. So she booked mm-hmm. me for December and January. It's always a, a thrill to do the feature round in, in Debbie's uh, Songwriter Nights. Uh, you get to, to, to play by yourself and, and really showcase what you do. And it's it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's I hadn't played Writer's Nights in years. And uh, I think it was actually 12 Keys that brought me back. Because, really? Yeah. Yeah, um, I just, I live so close and I... I went in there and I said, I want to do one of these. And y'all got me in there. And then I started getting calls to do more. And Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's been a fun ride. It's good. Let's talk about the Bluebird Days. People okay. want to know. You did that for 17 years. Yeah. Was it Sunday nights that you hosted? Yeah, that's that's the songwriter's night. Yeah. 
So, so tell me how that works and, and how it worked then. Does it, is it the same today? It's a little different. When mm-hmm. I first came to town, Amy Curland, who originally owned the Bluebird, right. was the host. Uh-huh. And she's not stage-worthy by her own admission. Uh-huh. And so when I got up there, I have somewhat of a theater background. I got up there and I pretended like I was nervous. Mm. And I stood up there <laughs> and uh, I was going, um, uh, I'm really excited to be at the Bluebird Cafe tonight. My name is Jeff Pearson. I want to dedicate all these songs to the father of country music, John Travolta. <laughs> I had the audience before I even did a song. Oh, and funny. so Amy Amy goes after oh and back then you could do three songs. If she liked you, you got to do four songs. Wow. I did five songs. Oh wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And so she says to me, I want you to host the Bluebird. And I said, um mm. I said, uh, I don't know if I want to be tied down to every Sunday night. Yeah. But I did it for seventeen years. Wow. And it was a it was a joy. And to see so many uh, people that were there that are now nationally known was pretty incredible. I'll bet. And, um, I mean, gosh, I mean, Eric Church, I have Eric Church's old phone number. Yeah. And one night, he was up there doing his show, and back then he had long hair. Yeah. And uh, he was so distressed afterwards. I'm talking to him outside, and I go, man, what's up? He goes, I cannot get arrested in this town. Nobody oh. takes me seriously. And here's mm. what I said. I said, man, you have a unique style of singing. When your songwriting reaches the same level as your singing, you'll be what I call undeniable. Yeah. And so, goodness gracious, he's Look at the that. chief today. Yeah. Wow, man. And Kenny Chesney used to play there. <laughs> I hosted the show that Garth Brooks got his record deal on. You know, let's talk about that because yeah. we've heard that story from a different, a couple of different points of view now, including Kent Blasey played, uh, from what I understand, he played If Tomorrow Never Comes, right? This was a different this night. This was a different night? This used to be called uh, Na- uh, Nashville Producer Publisher Night. Okay. And what happened is they'd have five writers, and when the, pro- I mean, all the big dogs of the music business were there. Uh-huh. They'd come in there, and they all were presented with a duffel bag with all the cassette tapes of the songs they were going to hear live that night. Wow. So if they liked one of the songs, they already had it. Oh, that's a good idea. It's a phenomenal idea. They don't do it anymore. And it was pronounced by the uh, Nashville Entertainment Association, wow. which I think, I'm not sure that still exists. But anyway, Garth was up there, and he had, he had uh, he and Bob Doyle, his manager, had, had had a meeting with Capitol Records like a day or two before. And they hadn't said yes or no. Well, Lynn Schultz from Capitol Records was at the back of the room, and I distinctly remember when Garth was singing, um, he has such dr- dramatic stage presence when he does a ballad Lynn Schultz stood up and was like with a like a bewildered look on his face like why did we not sign this guy on Monday <laughs> but anyway Garth blew him away and the next day uh Fogelsong Jim Fogelsong who was uh the president of the record company they they that's how he got his record deal wow and uh Garth has been uh, just one of the good one of the great guys of the music industry I mean he's done big favors for me and uh, I can't say I've done any favors for him because he doesn't need any from me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he's been he's he's one of the guys. I mean, some of my friends playing his band. Chris Lusinger is his uh, lead guitar player. Plays on every record. Does his, the national wow. tours. I was director of children's ministries at, at a church here in town. And Chris, um, I had both his kids in my children's church. Wow. And I was always getting unique stories about Garth. Uh, 
just w- what a great guy he was to work for. And um, oh, one of the classiest in the yeah. business, and it still remains that way today. Yeah. Very good to all the radio people, too, you know, and not all of them are. Uh, but uh, just an amazing guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Had his daughter on this show not too long ago. Really? Uh, Allie Colleen, who's wonderful. Um, and she, you know, what I love about her is she doesn't ride on anybody's coattails. We weren't even allowed to, to talk about uh, her her dad or her mom or her or bonus mom, which is Trisha. And um, But it was an, a very entertaining show. That's, She's that's an amazing woman. Very yeah. cool. I really admire her. So you've seen a lot, and you've heard a lot of hits before they were hits. Any, any that just come to your mind, you, you heard that song and went, whoa, that's going to change the world. Yeah, Rich Fagan, who had written uh, the Grundy County Auction. Yeah. Every time he did that song, the place went nuts. Oh, boy. And also, uh, Steve Seskin, when he would play, and this was this was one of my favorite songs of all time. It kills me that I didn't write it. Uh, <laughs> don't laugh at me. Oh, my gosh, yes. And Steve was saying back then, he goes, I don't think anyone's going to cut this song. Yeah. Well, of course, Mark Wills did, and sort of Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. But um, what a great song that was. One of the, in my opinion, best songs to ever come out of Nashville. Wow. Amazing. How long have you been writing songs, Jeff? Well, I got my first cut in 1980 with, with uh, Jim Stafford. Wow. And uh, it was a single, and uh, didn't do well, but he did it on the Johnny Carson show. Oh, cool. And at the time, I was in California, and obviously you know the Righteous Brothers. Mm-hmm. They're from Orange County. I'm from Orange County. And Bill Medley, the deep voice, you never close your eyes. <laughs> he had a club called, oddly enough, Medley's. Oh, well. <laughs> and I was, I was playing there. I mean, I played there constantly. And the night that the... Uh, Carson show was going to be having Jim Stafford on I was the only one who I didn't tell my brother I didn't tell anybody (laughs) and I had all my friends there I had a TV set on stage and in California the Tonight Show comes on at 1130 at least it used to I don't know what it is now but um, when um, uh, Stafford was on he was talking about the song He, he did the song live and as soon as the uh, the lick came on. The audience knew it. My place—they had no idea why I had the TV on and why I took a break. I won't play you the song, but I'll just play the lick. Goes. The place went nuts, and it was—it was one of those moments when, for three and a half minutes, I was a cool guy. Yes, sir. <laughs> of course. But uh, but you're I mean, still a cool guy. Well, I have my moments. Yeah. But I mean, back then I was writing. I didn't have a methodology. I, I was hit or miss. And I would check uh, with my brother, Joe. I'd say, Joe, does this song work? If he had questions about the song, I knew I hadn't written it right. Mm. And uh, one of Good those point. deals. Then in, uh, uh, I had ri- written a song that I was planning on moving to Nashville. And I wrote a song called Orange County Cowboy. Mm. And uh, people from out of state, when I would play it live, would say, have you got that on tape? And I'm sitting there thinking, you're from Michigan. Why do you care about Orange County? <laughs> but anyway, long story short, it it got played on the uh, Kick FM country station. And, I mean, they played it once, and they got over 100 phone calls. Wow. So it lifted me out of playing clubs to doing concerts, and I opened for everybody you can imagine. Really? Everybody. I Drop mean, some names. It's cool. Uh, Jared Lee Lewis, Rick, oh, Rick Nelson. Just got into the Hall of Fame, the yeah. country Hall of Fame. And he's in the Rock Hall of Fame, too. Uh, Rick Nelson, Tammy oh. Wynette, Tom Wopat, oh, uh, Charlie McClain, Doug Kershaw. Wow. Uh, 
I was oh Barbara Mandrell, Patty oh, Loveless, BB love King, BB King, yeah, wow, and uh, thrill is gone, huh? Yeah, and so I moved. I came here out for the session in 1980 when Stafford was cutting the song, mm-hmm. and I moved out here full time in um, 1985. Mm. Stafford always seemed like a crazy dude to me, man, and he, a lot of fun. He was as nice. <laughs> was he? he? He treated me like an equal. I yeah, mean, good because. Uh, uh, I mean, he invited me, and uh, I think the producer's name was Phil Lankford. Uh, he was the guy that produced uh, on the El- Bellamy Brothers. Just let your love flow. Yeah, and I believe Stafford used to manage them uh, when he started out. Oh, really? Like when they were starting out. Well, the produce the producer didn't want me in there because I'm the writer, and they, they I said, hey, I'm not going to say a word. You guys do whatever. But Stafford was nice. I mean, even after the song, they did the tracks, and he was going to go back and do the vocals. We walked down to a little restaurant together. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just—he was great. Yeah, that's. But awesome. I've been writing forever, and yeah, uh, you know, I've, I've had I had two publishing deals in California and three here in Nashville. Wow. Mm. So, so tell me what it's like working for a publisher. What, long days, or how did you? How did you work out your days? Well, if I could do it differently all over again, I would. Because what yeah. I did, I made a big mistake. Uh, I'll, but I will tell you, I learned a lot from my very first publisher was Roger Murrah, who is wow. an icon Big beyond name. icons in this town. Yep. And uh, he signed me because, well, first of all, let me back up. How yeah. did I get a deal with Roger Murrah? Yeah. I lived in California, and I'd opened for Tom Wopat at the Palomino. And one of his guitar players was Herb Peterson. If the public doesn't know who Herb Peterson was, he is unbelievable. He played banjo for the Dillards when Doug Dillard left. Mm-hmm. He is also the vocal arranger for the trio album with Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, and Emmy Lou Harris. Wow. And he and Vince Gill, before Vince was an icon, they did all the backgrounds for all the country records. Wow. And um, Herb, when I opened for Tom Wopat, I play, I mean, Back then, I mean, I played the, I flat picked the guitar, I played the five string banjo, the mandolin, the harmonica. I'm funny on stage, and I play the fiddle. He came backstage with his eyes wide open, and goes, "Man, you were great!" Wow. And coming from Herb Peterson, that meant a lot. Well, we exchanged numbers. He produced four songs on me. Wow. He brought me to Nashville. I did not get a record deal then. I had several later that never worked out. Mm. But because of Herb, I'm sitting there, or we're at a club that's no longer there called the uh, Tavern on the Row. And one of the employ, uh, the the assistant to Tom Collins' music was there. Tom Collins, another big name. Yeah, and her name was Alicia Winfield, and she she was enamored with Herb, and she goes, "Well, who are you?" Well, Herb started singing my praises, and she said, "Well, why don't you come visit me in my office tomorrow?" So I did. I brought a song, and uh, she listened to the song, and she tapped on the intercom to Tom Collins and said, "There's a song you need to hear, and a man you need to meet." Wow. The song was called I Meant Every Word I Didn't Say. Mm-hmm. I wrote it with Jim Dunn. And um, so I walk in there, and he's talking to somebody who has his back to me. I walk in there, and the guy who had his back to Tom looks at me and goes, Jeff Pearson, what are you doing here? <laughs> that person was Dick Whitehouse, president of Curb Records in L.A. Wow. So Tom's taking this in. He's going, okay, I don't know this guy. The president of Curb knows who he is. Why don't I know this guy? I was yeah. brand new in town. Uh-huh. So anyway, we talked. He put the song on hold for Ronnie Millsap, but they never ended up cutting it. It was on a uh, soap opera, though. But anyway, 
Uh, Roger was writing for Tom, and so I was writing with Roger, and Roger really liked my ideas. And one time I asked him, I said, Roger, some of these big writers in town, like you, have their own publishing company. Why don't you have your own publishing company? And he says, I will in October, and I'm signing you as my first writer. Wow. That's how it happened. Wow. And then uh, after that, I eventually signed with Tom. And after that, I was with Niles Borop who, in my opinion, is the number one songman in Nashville. And who's ever second, <laughs> it's a distant second. Niles is a wow. genius. Wow. God bless him. High praise. Yeah. Mm. And, and But here's the thing that I messed up on at first. No, not so much when I was writing with Roger, but when I started writing for Tom, I was trying to write songs that I thought Tom would like. Mm. And a writer cannot do that. You've got to write songs that mean something to you, but that, but that will also translate to the listening audience. Um, I get my best song ideas. Well, like that first song I did about dad and mom. Right. That's a true song. Yeah. Uh, and most of my songs have an element of truth. There might be a little uh, artistic uh, license there, here and there. But by and large, I always tell people when I'm teaching a class, you'll get your best song ideas from things that you take for granted every day. Think wow. of somebody, when I was a senior in high school, we had a, a, a foreign exchange student from Mexico named Carlos Jesus Ramos Burs <laughs> live with us for a year. Wow. And I remember at dinner one night, he took his glass of milk, he drank half of it, and middle of dinner, he puts it in the fridge. And my mom goes, Carlos, why are you putting the... And he goes, I'm saving it for tomorrow. He thought we were millionaires. Mm. We've never been. I've never been. I'm, I'm basically a thousandaire, to be <laughs> honest. Anyway, he he saw what we took for granted every day. Wow. And as a songwriter, that's what I tell young people. Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Listen to what comes out of other people's mouths. And let's look at your own life, and you'll get the best ideas. Don't try to be clever. Don't try to be cute. Try to be real. Jeff, I think that's the best advice I've heard on this show. So well, far. I appreciate that. That's amazing. That is fantastic. So going back to publishing, yeah. uh, you're a songwriter in this town, um, <clears throat> and you're... you're aspiring and you want to take it to the next level do you recommend going after a publishing deal or staying independent what advice would you give to, to writers today well i'm not sure if you're independent you have an an avenue to get your songs to produ producers and artists mm -hmm. and if you do i say go for it mm -hmm. but here's what i would tell when i was hosting the bluebird everybody would ask me how did you get a publishing deal yeah here's what i would tell them do you have any friends that write for a publisher yeah write with that guy or the yeah. girl because gotcha. if you write a good song mm -hmm. their publisher is going to hear it and they're going to go well who's this guy yeah well he's my friend i met at the bluebird who's his publisher he doesn't have one the publisher will say i want to talk to him because he'll want that new writer to either pay for half the demo or give the publisher the publishing yeah. and then i tell the 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 new songwriter i go don't just give him your publishing have a conversation with him first tell him look I really love writing with Bob over here. And I'd really love to write with some of your other writers. And yeah. you can have my publishing if we can do a deal where you'll let me write with some of your writers. And and I still want to keep writing with Bob mm -hmm. uh, but because I think your writers are top of the mountain or whatever you want to say. But, you know, you, you show them that you're a, you have a professional mindset that you're you don't want to say, well, listen, um, I'm going to keep my own publishing. I'll make more money if it gets, you know, you don't yeah. do that. Yeah. If if you've had a hundred hits, then you can do that. Yeah, I got you. 
More good advice. Thanks, Jeff. You know, you came from California. You mentioned Orange County. You're just south of L.A., right? Yeah. Little, my hometown is called Santa Fe Springs. Santa Fe Springs. Yeah. Now, was the country music a hotbed there? I know I grew up in Cleveland. We were the rock capital of the world. You're right. <laughs> but I worked for a country radio station. That's how I got into country music, which I started in 1980 uh, doing country. How did you get into country music? Well, in my household, we grew up on Hank Sr., uh. And Buck Owens. Well. And I can remember coming home from school, and my dad would be in the garage working, and he'd be singing, uh, wait a song, got the only daddy that'll walk the line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad loved that song. And um, But the man and woman across the street, they were from Anadarko, Oklahoma, named Delbert Clyde Martin and Maxine. They would sit on the front porch. They lived right across the street. He'd play the guitar. Always needed a shave. <laughs> and Maxine, his wife, would play the mandolin. Wow. And so uh, I actually wrote a song about that. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll play it for you here. Okay. Um, but uh, but be- before I do, the Santa Fe Springs City Library was incredible. They had an incredible collection of folk music records, blues music, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, and, uh, and they had bluegrass music. And I was fascinated with bluegrass. And... Uh, and playing with Delbert and Maxine across the street. I was just beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, here goes. Mm -hmm. He picked a battle-scarred flat-top guitar with old black diamond strings. She played a pawn shop mandolin sitting on the front porch swing. It was Southern California. I was just 13. Learning how to play guitar with Delbert and Maxine. They came from Anadarko, Oklahoma, USA. In a weather-beaten Studebaker, they drove out to L.A. Never sparkled in no rhinestones, lit up the silver screen. But they shined in faded overalls, Delbert and Maxine. Two California Okies making music in L.A. They weren't seeking fame and fortune. They just loved to sing and play. They changed my life with just three chords and a little hillbilly harmony. Lord, it don't get any countryer than Delbert and Maxine. I learned by sitting in with them when country music's real. The only thing that matters is how it makes you feel. It'll either make you laugh or cry, ain't no in-between. That was the gospel according to Delbert and Maxine. Two California Okies making music in L.A. They weren't seeking fame and fortune. They just loved to sing and play. They changed my life with just three chords and a little hillbilly harmony. Lord, it don't get any countryer than Delbert and Maxine. I miss that old front porch and the songs we used to sing. Moving back to Oklahoma was their California dream. 
Now they got a brand new set of old friends who just can't get their fill of Delbert singing the cross-eyed girl that lived upon the hill. I know just what those folks are thinking every time they hear them sing. Lord, it don't get any countryer than Delbert and Maxine. I wish you all could have heard them sing Delbert and Maxine. Too real for the radio, Delbert and Maxine. He picked a battle-scarred flat-top guitar with old black diamond strings. She played a pawn shop mandolin sitting on the front porch swing. Jeff Pearson, that's awesome. I'll tell you what, man. I feel like I know him. <laughs> I feel like I've seen him. They were the greatest, man. I, I absolutely love them. They're both gone now, but uh, oh, I, I've sung that song out only once, and I need to do it more, I think. Yeah, you do. I think you do. Got to take a little break. We're going to come back with more with Jeff Pearson. I'm going to talk about your one-on-one songwriting stuff you do, okay? okay? Don't go away. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. Our guest is Jeff Pearson. Uh, Before we continue on, I want to tell you, if you're listening on YouTube, uh, I know we're out there everywhere, but if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to click that like and subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Songwriter Connection podcast. Jeff Pearson, um, fantastic songwriter. Thank uh, you. Published songwriter, uh, hosted at the Bluebird for 17 years. We're sharing stories and talking. But you also offer advice to other songwriters in this town. You do some one-on-one tutoring. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Tell us what that's all about. Well, I've, I've got a, my brother's an incredible graphic artist, and he made this little uh, flyer for me that's called... Uh, one-on-one songwriting sessions mm-hmm. and what i what it took me years to learn i can teach somebody in about a two-hour session or two really? or three sessions mm-hmm. and um what i focus on is something i learned from one of my favorite writers in town fred kohler mm. when i lived in california i have a bobby bear album and like three or four or five of the songs are written by fred kohler and when i moved here i met him he's one of my favorite artists and writers and i asked him once i said uh where does your eye for detail, where does it come, wh- wh- how'd you develop that? And I said, your songs have such a picturesque uh, part of it, you know? And he said, notes, I take notes. Mm. And I thought to myself, what do, you, what do you mean? Like he goes, like brainstorming. Before I write the song, I get ready to write the song and I take notes. And I'm, I was young and I'm thinking, 
I'm not going to do that. That's too much work. <laughs> I didn't for the longest time, but as soon as I did, my cut ratio went up. Wow. My songs got better. And I try to implement that to these young songwriters. I'll tell them, first of all, you have your title. Mm-hmm. And and then you take notes. I never write the first verse first. I craft the song. I write the chorus first because the chorus is the really? destiny. The chorus is the destination of every verse. If I think you write, a cool idea. I've done I've done that a lot too. Yeah. Well, if if you write your first verse first, and you finish the verse, you still haven't landed anywhere because no. your destination hasn't been written. But here's the other deal. I even go back further than that. I go when you start your title. Don't just start with your title. Fine tune that title. The example I use is this. Let's say your title is called The Front Porch. Mm-hmm. There's three words, the front porch. Mm-hmm. The seems pretty insignificant, but it isn't. What if instead of the, and you're fine-tuning your title, what if it's this front porch? This is more specific than the. Yeah. I'm standing on this front porch. I'm sitting on this front porch. What if it's that front porch? Wow. I'm not sitting on... She's sitting on that front that porch. porch. Yeah. What if it's my front porch? Now there's ownership with just one word change. This is my front porch. I'm sitting on my front porch. What if it's our front porch? Now there's a relationship <laughs> with one word. What if it's our back porch? Now there's intimacy with just one change of the word. I, I try to get songwriters to look at their titles and say, make sure you're writing the, that title, the best possible title it can be. And your notes, anything goes. It's just another term for brainstorming. Uh, every conceivable thing you can think about it. And then when you write your chorus, I write more than one chorus. And then I flip-flop the lines to see yeah. if the last two lines would be better as first two lines. And I write the chorus a lot of times as the payoff, like a punchline and a joke. And I want to set that. Uh, the punchline's not funny yeah. unless the setup is perfect. And so when I start writing, after I have my chorus written, I start writing the first verse. Mm-hmm. The first thing I do is write the last line of the first verse. Because so it goes right into the... That's the, spring, right in. that's the springboard yep. to the chorus. And then I write the setup line for the last line. Wow, that is so cool. And... You know, right away, that's the song that pops into my head, one, one of the greatest crafted songs in the last few years, was you, I Drive Your Truck. Remember that song? Yes, that's it, an incredible song. Look at the lyrics to that song and listen to that song, and, and, and you will see how important that last line before each... Uh, the last line of the verse yeah. uh, is before that chorus. And every time they nail that, yeah. it leads in perfectly every time. Anyway, I backed her. That, that's cool. Yeah. And I I, I, I just... Um, the other thing is a line before the hook, too, that title. That's a pretty important one. Yeah, the setup line is, is important because it's got to be right. And you don't ever want to confuse your listeners because as soon as you confuse them, you've lost them because they're yeah. trying to figure out what you meant. Yeah, and then the next two or three lines, they're they're gonna miss. Yeah, um, point. yeah, and the power of a word, like you said, the what the power of the word. Yeah. Our front porch. Yeah, this front porch. That's that's so cool. I appreciate that. So yeah, right. yeah. And I, I I focus on a lot of different things. Um, I um, and this sometimes happens when you're writing. You're mm-hmm. writing a song, and all of a sudden you go, "Man, I can't think of nothing else." That's when you go to lunch. <laughs> and the other deal is, I'm a big believer in when you're writing with another person, 
you want to make sure that you don't you have some ground rules. Mm-hmm. The ground my biggest ground rule is this. If I have a line that I think is great and you don't like it, mm-hmm. that line will not make it into the song. Yeah. We only put lines in the song that we both like because you can always circle that line that you thought was great and use it as a song title for another song or put it in another song. But there's no need to argue. It mm-hmm. it destroys the the atmosphere and the vibe and everything. So ground rule number one. Yeah. We got a show coming up. Where we're going to focus in on co-writing, the advantages of that. I like to write, uh, you know, with another writer. Sometimes I like three because you've got one that can always break the tie. I hold precious on this line. You don't like it as much. What's the third guy think? You know, and they may break the tie. You know, so it's kind of cool. I want to I want to do that in a future uh, podcast, and we will. That's cool. So that's neat. What you do that is really incredible. And I'm just looking down um, the list of things you talk about. Things like metaphors, and that's important in a song. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, painting pictures with lyrics, which you're very good at doing. Well, I appreciate that. You know, one thing I tell people when you're writing a song, how many? Don't worry about a broken heart. It's always going to be in a song. Don't mm-hmm. think that writing a cliche is the end of the world. It, if the rest of the song is solid, the cliche is going to stand out too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know... Oh, you uh, hear it every day. You know, you really do. Yeah, and it's like... Um, oh, man, I'm having one of those... Uh, <laughs> like my song, Squirrel Train? <laughs> no, no, yeah, my mind's on a freight train right now. Um, I was going to say something, and then I get sidetracked. Yeah. What did you just tell me a second ago? Uh, we were talking about uh, painting pictures with lyrics. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. It's like, I'll tell people, don't tell me in the song that you looked into her eyes. Mm. Tell me that you looked into her wounded eyes <laughs> that paints a picture she's got a broken heart her wound yeah. what about I looked again in, the power of a word one word I looked into her immigrant eyes mm. I mean paint yeah don't tell me that a car drove down your street tell me that a 58 Studebaker drove down your street being you know? specific yeah yeah and and yeah and it, yeah don't be general be the more specific you are the more people you're going to really uh uh, reach you know so it's one of those deals mm-hmm. I love it good stuff now you do more than just songwriting I understand you're an avid fisherman you love to fish yes uh, favorite places around Tennessee well I, I fish Percy Priest a lot because I live so close to yeah, it yeah me too <laughs> and uh, when I first came to town uh, one of the artists I mentioned opening for I don't think I might have forgot to but his name's Bobby Bear oh Bo- Bobby Bear Bobby Bear from course, Ohio <laughs> yeah Bobby of course had um, that song Detroit City mm, and 500 Miles and yeah all that stuff he's a he's an insane bass fisherman like I am and and we just cl- c- clicked and connected and so there was an outdoor journalist awards banquet for all the writers for all the sports the fishing magazines were there mm-hmm. bobby bear was the host and he called me to be the music guy mm-hmm. so i'm doing it and i'm talking and I, I say to these outdoor journalists you guys have the best job in the world you get to fish with the pros you get a free <laughs> bass boat every year and i said i'm renting a john boat at marabone lake which is a small 65 acre lake uh, close to nashville i go please somebody have mercy on a starving songwriter and take me fishing well <laughs> Don Worth, who is now the senior writer at Bassmaster and and was a very honored Bassmaster songwriter, Mm -hmm. he said, hey, man, uh, I'll take you fishing. Get this. Turns out I lived about six houses down from him. Isn't that something? Did not even know it. 
And so small world. Yeah, we we started fishing together, going to church together, mm. and uh, because I'm from California, there's a there's a, a different style of bass fishing. It's called finesse fishing, which yeah. very few people in the South employ. When I moved to town, anytime they did an article in Bassmaster about finesse fishing, they used me as the so-called expert. I'm really not an expert. I'm very knowledgeable, but I would never consider myself an expert. Mm-hmm. But, the, I mean, Don put me in uh, Bassmaster Magazine numerous times, uh, Southern Outdoors, U.S. Bassing, uh, Smallmouth Magazine. And I was just, for me, I loved it. Now, most of my friends didn't know it because there's not many people that, that are as caught up in bass fishing as I am. But my dad was from Minnesota, so I grew up in a fishing family and wow. all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Songmaster and Bassmaster. Yeah, well, Jeff I appreciate that. <laughs> songwriter connection. Now you got the, you know where I'm leading, right? You've yeah, got this song so. that slays them in the songwriter rounds. Thanks. And maybe you can introduce it. Well, I'll, I'll do this <laughs> song. For us. I'll just do the song, and then I'll tell you a little bit about it. <laughs> okay. It goes like this. My wife ain't into football or the UFC, but put a fishing pole in her hand. She can drop shot, flip a jig, cast a Carolina rig, just like Kevin Van Dam. She got a bill dance poster on the ceiling overhead. She's all about fishing, even when we're in bed. Ain't I the luckiest man alive? My best fishing buddy is my own sweet wife. My baby kisses like a large mouth bass. She gets a hold of me, she don't hold nothing back. She's like a Merc 250 with a full tank of gas. My baby kisses like a large mouth bass. Don't do any cardio or step class aerobics All she likes to do is fish But when her fishing day is through Something else she likes to do It starts with a good night kiss Yeah, the only way I know to get to my woman's heart Is a hundred dollar Bass Pro Shops gift card Lord, she gets that look in her eyes And I know it's gonna be another sleepless night My baby kisses like a large mouth bass Lord, she's a keeper, I ain't throwing her back She might look as innocent as a Sunday school class Yeah, my baby kisses like a large mouth bass Her kind of kissing ain't for the mild-mannered or me I'm pretty sure she's never heard of a church hug or peck on the cheek Cause my baby kisses like a large mouth bass Yanks all the covers off and we hit the sack Ain't no way on earth I'm yanking them back Yeah, my baby kisses like a large mouth bass She's got a nine pound tongue My baby kisses like a large mouth bass Jeff Pearson, Songwriter Connection Podcast. There's so much that we can unpack about that song, but first you got to tell me, has your baby ever heard that song, and what did she say? Well, my, my, my wife really doesn't fish that much. She throws a crankbait, and, uh, but she's not... I just had to use my wife in the song, but that's a little artistic license. Yeah, yeah. But, but the way that song came about, I used to be in a trio with Steve Dean. Uh, I love Steve. He's the greatest, man. Yeah. Steve... 
and Randy Van Warmer. Mm-hmm. And we were called Three Wheel Drive. Randy Van Warmer, too? Yeah. Wow. He had that big hit in the late 70s. What was it? Uh, you need, just when I just when I needed you most. You left me just when I needed you most. Yeah, great song. Anyway. He also wrote with Roger Murrah, uh, I'm in a hurry to get, get things, things done. done. Yeah. Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. But R- Randy was like the sweetest guy, the most peaceful man I've ever met in my entire life. Wow. And we... We were a trio, but we all we kind of played like in the round. And mm-hmm. so Randy would do a song, Steve would do a song, I'd do a song. And I have a, another fishing song called uh, Mr. You Just Kissed Your Bass Goodbye. <laughs> and I wrote that song about 30 years ago. Oh, man. And uh, so when it would come to me, <laughs> they, I would tell the audience, I'd say, you know, uh, I write a lot of love songs about fishing. Uh, I go, to me, love songs and fishing songs are the same thing. And I go, this song is called... <laughs> My baby kisses like a largemouth bass. But it was really for the other. That was just a joke, I would tell. And yeah. like 28 years later, I finally wrote the song because I, I wasn't paying attention to what I tell people. What comes out of your mouth? Listen, keep your, your songwriting ears and eyes open all the time. And so one time I'm, I was writing, I'm writing all these fishing songs and uh, I, I'm stupid not to write this one. So that's what I did. <laughs> what you take for granted could be a song. And I just want to plug real quick. Steve Dean is also in this little trio called uh, Hits and Grins right now. Right. And they were on the podcast not too long ago. If you missed that episode, Hits and Grins, it's really good. He blames his whole career on the Beatles. Oh, yeah. He's a Beatles fanatic. I mean, you cannot deny the Beatles. No. I I was more of a Bob Dylan and Tom Waits fanatic. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you listen to the Beatles stuff. I mean, thinking they recorded most of that stuff live. Gosh, they were incredible. And they were just kids. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. I don't know if we'll ever see that again, you know. I don't think so. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's talk about that song in particular. One of the things that I, I gained from listening to that is uh, we talk about being in the key. And not in the. And I'm not talking about the musical key, but when you're talking about a fishing song, um, you have so many references to fishing uh, and things to do with fishing in the key of fishing. Yeah. And I imagine that comes from those notes that you take, huh? Well, I mean, I'm a very knowledgeable bass fisherman, mm-hmm. and uh, y- you know, it's kind of like um, I-, I write these songs from a, a standpoint of that I try to Im- implement to all people. Write about what you know, no. yeah. And I tell you, I there's like s- several people in town, thirteen year olds, fourteen, fifteen year old girls. I haven't seen any guys doing it yet. They write these songs about stuff they know nothing about. They're yeah. writing serious love songs that should be for adults and i've i've told them a couple times i've said you know what i really think you've got major talent i said you know taylor swift is the epitome of what you're not doing and Mm. that is she wrote for her own age group when she She first started out and i said i said how old are you 13 do you have a boyfriend no is there any guy you like well there's this one guy i kind of like there's a song title I, I, I kind of like, I, I, yeah, that, yeah. you know, Bob or whatever, I kind of like him or I think he likes me or whatever, Ooh, yeah. write about what you know. Yeah. So far, none of them have done it, <laughs> but, um, fishing songs. I mean, I know a lot about fishing. I know a lot about music. I'm not very good at anything else. I can't fix anything broken. My me brother's from, my brother can do everything that I cannot. I mean, mm. he's a master craftsman. He's an incredible graphic artist. Not me. <laughs> but you're an incredible artist. Well, I got my own. I have a few moments here and there and, and everything. But, I mean, I know a lot about fishing. 
I don't, I'm very untechnical. My brother can testify to that because I'm calling him. Hey, Joe, how do you do this on the phone? <laughs> you know, so. Jeff, for me, any project I do around the house involves at least three, four trips mm-hmm. to uh, Lowe's, which is just around the corner. Yeah. Thank God. Because, you know, usually the first trip, you go and you get it. Second trip, because, oh, there was something you should have got that goes with that that you need. There you go. The third trip, because I broke something and I had to go back and get it. Fourth trip, because I got the wrong thing the third time. That's the kind of handyman I yeah. am. <laughs> well, I've got a buddy in town named Justin Moore who takes handyman work to a higher level. <laughs> and he's the guy I call. If I have anything that breaks or needs fixing, I call Justin Moore. There's a song we should write, The Unhandyman. There you go. That's me. <laughs> There's a big, big. remember, I'm your handyman. I'm your unhandyman. There you go. <laughs> we'll get together and write that one. You got it. Awesome. Anything else you want to share before we, we take it off with a song? Um, you you want to do another song, you said? or I would like to do at least one more to take us out. Okay, I'm trying to figure which I, what I should First, do. tell me, uh, where can we, can we find your music out there anywhere? Um, I'm I'm so untechnical. I don't have a website. Mm, okay. I should have probably got one 35 years ago. <laughs> but I mean, you can find songs I've written, like by mm-hmm. Hank. You can look up songs I've written, like Hank Jr. Maybe I'm the one who's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Rick, Ricky Van Shelton. Um, yeah, he was a great artist. Love without you. Oak Ridge Boys. I have a Christmas song with called "Beneath the Christmas Tree." It's about a an orphan who lives under the Douglas fir tree in the middle of town square. Whoa. Um I've got some great Christian songs by the incredible David Phelps, who was who was part of the Gaither vocal band. I was going to say you work with the Gaithers, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he recorded a song of mine that he heard me do at the Bluebird Cafe. Wow. He came up to me and he goes, "Hey, uh, Jeff," or he didn't know my name then. He goes, "Hey, dude, hey, dude, um, <laughs> has anybody recorded that song? The song's called The Wind and the Waves.'" Yeah, and. Uh, I said, well, it's never been a, it had, it had, it had been cut twice already. Mm. I said, it's never been a single. He goes, can you have your publisher send that? They did. And he put it out there. And I've had the honor of playing with David. He's hired me three times to play guitar for him at these gospel music events. And we've had two gigs at the Bluebird doing benefits. And I'm sitting next to David Phelps and I'm telling the audience, you realize I have no ego at all sitting next to David Phelps who can out sing the whole world. I sing a song, I sound like a, a ruptured toad. And and then no, David Phelps comes on, and man, he just... And he, it's a songwriter's night, you do your own songs. Well, he honored me by doing The Wind and the Waves. Wow. Yeah. What a thrill. Yeah. Yeah. One of those deals. You know, I had somebody just ask me the other day at the 12 Keys. I, I had the opportunity, I played the Bluebird like four four or five times. But the first time in a round uh, with other writers, um, the whole set, and it was just... The thrill of my life. Yeah. But the other night, uh, I had uh, a writer uh, new to town who said, "How do I? How do I get into the Bluebird?" <laughs> I didn't know where to begin with any advice there. Uh, I know they used to do those, and they still do the uh, those auditions. Oh yeah. yeah. Here's a, here's how they do the auditions now. There'll there'll be a date on the uh, BluebirdCafe.com that'll say apply online. They take the first seventy five people. Wow. And the audition just consists of a verse and a chorus. That's it. Because a schooled veteran of the music business can sit there and hear one verse and one chorus and go, yep, 
this person knows what they're doing yeah. or this person probably needs a little more work before we get them on the bluebird stage and that's for the song the sunday night songwriters night right. yeah okay and then you do so many of those and you can get your own round right i guess well, that's what I, i've heard i'm that, that's what you'll hear but it's really yeah. not like that no when people ask me how did you how did you get a gig playing at the bluebird well of course i'm part of the bluebird family for working there so many yeah. years yeah. but what i tell people is this do you have any friends that are already doing rounds yeah well, who, what's his name? His name's Bob. Everybody's name is Bob. Everybody's Bob. I say, hey, Bob, uh, next time you're doing a, 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 round, a round at the Bluebird, I would love to be part of it. Or, and if that doesn't work, you write a couple songs with Bob. Yeah. And then you get in the round with Bob. That, you that, know, that's it, the only way I know. Uh, does that sound a little familiar, folks? Back up and hear that when we talk about publishers. But, you know, here's the point. This is the reason why we call this songwriter connection. Yeah. It is about connecting with other writers. Yeah. And working together with them. Networking is so important. Yeah. And it's like we said many times on this show, it's not always who you know, but who knows you. Yeah. And uh, I think really that's what it's all about. That, that whole uh, fellowship, that whole community, uh, which we have here in Nashville, we're so lucky to have. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you one of the best things that ever happened to me. I'm brand new in town. Maybe I've been here a year, maybe two. And I saw Jimbo Henson at the Bluebird. Mm. Jimbo passed away several months ago, and the yeah. whole town cried. Yes. Wow. But but what a loving soul. Well, I saw him at the Bluebird, and about a week later, I'm at the Green Hills uh, YMCA, and there was Jimbo. And I walk up to him and say, hey, Jimbo. I said, you don't know me, but I'm Jeff Pearson. I said, man, I saw you play at the Bluebird the other night. You were inspiring and intimidating at the same time because I realized I got a long ways to go. Mm. He says, you must be a songwriter. I go, I am. He says, well, let's write one. And I said, and what I said to him, I said, you're confused. You're the hit veteran (laughs) songwriter. I'm the newcomer. You're supposed to be thinking of an excuse you can give me when I get the courage up enough to say, hey, Jimbo, would you consider writing with me? And he said, I made a deal with God. He's from Mississippi. I made a deal with God. If I had any success, I would write with anybody. Wow. And I said, you're the only one. Because I had, um, I knew several big writers. And I'd get with them and I'd say, hey, I'm an idea man. I'm a professional. I'd love to get with you. And if my ideas don't knock you out, I'm used to the word no. They, would, they wouldn't even say anything. Mm. But it, So anyway, Jimbo and I wrote a couple songs. And he was, he, like I say, he's the only one I've ever met like that. Yeah, he was a great guy. Really, a great guy. You know, uh, there's a uh, a film about his life. Oh and, yeah, I've and, seen it. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. The Good Jim, and that's what Jimbo meant. The Good Jim, yeah. and uh, what a, what a special special person he was. Yeah, uh, this town really mourned his and is still yeah. mourning his loss. So, hey, how about taking us out with a song? You want to do one more? I'm going to do this song that has been recorded seven times, most notably by David Phelps from the Gaither Vocal Band. It's called "The Wind and the Waves." <laughs> All you had to do was raise your hand And speak the words Peace be still And all the anger All the fury of that raging storm Surrender to your will Even the wind and the waves obey Why can't I? 
Why can't I? Where is my faith? Is it lost at sea? Lord, help me be like the wind and the waves. When the storms of life take me by surprise and my faith gets swept overboard, I hate it when I give in all my fears instead of trusting in you Lord even the wind and the waves obey why can't I why can't I where is my faith is it lost at sea Lord, help me be like the wind and the waves. Lord, save me from my unbelief. Save me. Save me. Even the wind and the waves obey. Why can't I? Lord, why can't I? Where is my faith? Is it lost at sea? Lord, help me be like the wind and the waves. I want to be like the wind and the waves. That's great. Jeff Pearson, our guest, that's Wind in the Waves, which you talked about on the podcast a little bit back ago. So Thank you. Thanks for doing that song. I want to say hey to all my California friends. <laughs> Life is good, y'all. I miss you. <laughs> He's living the dream. We'll catch you next week on the Sang- Songwriter Connection podcast. All goes as planned. We'll have Trey Ackerman back. We'll talk some country history and get into his songs. He's a great guy. You'll love it. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.